Blog Talk Radio. Well, hello there. Hi there. How are you? I'm fine. How are you doing? I am terrific. So uh, we are, this is uh, Book Journeys Radio, and I am so excited that today we are going to talk about your book. Well, I'm excited uh, too. Excellent. So what what we do on uh what we do on Book Journeys Radio every week is we um we do talk about the book itself. Um but really our goal and our audience is focused on how do they get their own book completed? How do they go from having this dream to actually holding the book in their hands? So um, today, with me, we have a. This is the first time we have had a former New York City police officer on the show. Um, wow, he's true. Yeah, so true being me. So Sherry Clark is the author of Small Voices Silence: The Secret Society of Sacrificed Children, which is uh, quite a topic for a book. So let's talk a little about the book itself. Um, what's it about, and how did you decide to write it? Well, the book is actually a um it, it it what it what it is about is we had decided to foster become foster parents and we had taken in a baby and subsequently later on her, her older sister and we at the beginning everything was, was great and it looked like we were gonna adopt them and, and we, we actually just to preface that, we became foster parents because we wanted to adopt a child, and we were told that was the best way to do it. Because in the state of Florida, if you have a child in your house for six months and they become available for adoption, you get you know you get first choice. So right, we just go forward, right? So we decided to go forward, and everything was going good. And then halfway through the case plan, we got a change in caseworkers. And everything started unraveling. Although a few months later she said, oh, you know, you're going to be able to adopt the child. And because the parents have not done their case plan, there's a 12-month case plan. And they have 12 months to work on their case plan. Well, here we are in month nine, and they haven't even started except for one one uh, item. And she said there's no way they can finish it in three months. And so we were all excited. And three weeks later she comes back and says, oh, well, we're giving the children back to the mom. She, she's compliant. It's like, how do you finish a 12-month case plan in three weeks? And so from that point on, we started seeing the corruption, the de- deception and manipulation. Of course, you have to read the book to find out about it, but it was horrid. It was horrid. And my husband and I, were we were like screaming into the wind, trying to warn everybody, there's a train wreck that's about to happen. And no one cared. The apathy was overwhelming and surprising so it was so crazy it was one of those stranger than fiction stories that i had to write a book about it and i had to sound the alarm and say this is what's happening to children all across the country and we need to stop we need to stop and pay attention 
I think that's, you know, I, I think it's obviously a fascinating and, and painful story for you, but I think it's a great example of how, as an author, you create a platform to make a difference. And the, the, the authors that I work with all have some story, often painful, this sounds, you know, tragically painful, um, but they're often hard lessons, and when you learn a lesson in such a painful way, for some people, maybe not everyone, but for some people there is a, a desire to make a difference, a desire to take a stand and make a mark and say this shouldn't happen and I want to do something, no matter how small or big or in the middle it is, to, to really make a difference there. Were you, were, did that motivate you? Were you hoping to help, uh, you know, someone who might follow in your footsteps or children or the system or something? Well, I, you know, I am a very non-confrontational person, but when I see something that is an injustice and it is done, especially to our children, I can be, I can have the loudest mouth you would ever heard. And as a writer, because I am a professional writer, I, ha- I, ha- I'm just compelled to say, everybody, look here, this is happening, you know, and and to expose the injustices that are going on, and 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 let everyone know because. When people are aware, they can do something. They can't do anything unless they're aware. Uh, and the other thing is, it's just writing a paper and giving a bunch of statistics really doesn't move people. But if you mm-hmm. do it in a story and you invoke passion and emotions, then they're more likely to say, wow, you know, if they can feel what you felt and see what you saw, then they can step back and say, wow, I had no idea. So before you started to write the book, what was your goal for the book? When you when you envisioned your book complete, what were you hoping it would be doing out in the world? What I've always hoped is that it would invoke that, that passion, that righteous anger from the public. I knew, like you were saying earlier, I can't do anything by myself. I can do something small, and I can do what I know how to do, and that's right. So I can write it and I can communicate this problem. And so I'm. what I was envisioning is this getting into the right hands and that people were saying, what can we do, and that it can be a catalyst for change. I mean, even my husband was like, sure, if we could just give this book away to everybody, you know, mm-hmm. we would like to do that just to get the message out because it does have a powerful message in it. And so just yeah. to just to get people, you know, motivated and say, oh, my gosh, to open their eyes to the horrificness that's going on with these kids, that's what and, I wanted to and do. And so I think one of the things that happens when we feel so passionate about something and the stakes are high, we want to make a difference with our voice, we want people to hear this message, sometimes it can be um, hard to get the story out and I'm wondering, for you, did you did you run into writer's block? Did you run into any challenges with the writing piece? And how did you get through them? Did you work with a, a coach or an editor? How did you work through getting your voice heard so it wasn't just the anger, but that there was a story and that readers could be engaged? Uh, good question. Um, when I first wrote it, I sat down, and it, it really probably was more of a scathing editorial because it was in the midst of just, you know, what I had gone through and the pain I was feeling. It was, it was horrendous, the worst pain I'd ever felt. And then I took it, and I said, okay, I'm going to make this into something. So I took all of my documentation, all of my emails, and I just started writing the story. 
uh, it took probably about three or four months, and then I started editing it. And so it sat for a while because I had other issues going on. I had my daughter, and she was special needs, and it was a lot of time spent in hospitals with her. So when I picked it back up, I said, hmm, let me do something with it. So I did. I passed it on to a developmental editor. And she really, I hadn't looked at it in a few years, but she really, you know, gets so I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to jump in here because I think uh, one of the great mysteries of the book world is uh, types of editors. A lot of times people hire an editor and they're thinking somebody to fix typos. But you used a very specific word here, a developmental-ish, a developmental editor. Did you look into different kinds of editors and can you explain what the difference is? How is a developmental editor different? Well, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an editor, so but I will explain it. Uh, so I knew what I was getting into. She, what she did is she took my manuscript. And being a writer, you know, it's not really good to edit your own stuff. Because I tell people, I, say, I see things that aren't there because I know it in my mind. Well, and so, you know, as well, you look at your paper, you're like, oh. If you, if you print a thousand copies, you can see the typos really easily. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. After you do it, exactly. After you hit print. Yeah. Yeah. To go through the time and, and experience. Uh, what what the edit, the developmental editor does is they go through your your manuscript and they make they make notes. You know. Oh, you know. You don't you don't need this. This is repetitive. Delete. I'll get rid of this. This moves the story further. Or she would say, you know, this is whining. Get over it. <laughs> And, you know, she was she was nice, but, you know, she was, she was straightforward, and I appreciate that. And then she would say to us apart, she said, you know what, this needs more emotion. Tell me about the time. Tell me about the year. You know, what were you feeling? This was a great opportunity for you to bring out emotion. What were you feeling? So she was able to pull stuff out of me, and then that's what a developmental editor does. They take your manuscript, and they, they develop it. Okay, and then she and then she wrote a report telling me the strong points, the weak points, what I need to work on, uh, those kind of things. So when she did that, and I got the report back, I sat on it for you know for a while because I was editing every other people's books and I was getting them published. And I'm like, oh, you know, I want to get my book published. So my next step was was um, I got this epiphany one day, and I'm like, you know what, I'm rewriting the book. And I did. I rewrote the book, and this time I put the beautiful testimony in it, whereas before it was just all the bad things, but I put the good stuff mm. in it. And I wrote the book, and I, and then I, you know, I, I got a call from a self-publisher. And I had been looking into publishing for years, so I knew the different kinds. I was already very well, you know, versed in that area. And, and I knew what it would cost if I did it myself. So she's naming these numbers, and I'm, I'm calculating in my head. I'm like, oh, man, they can do it less for what I can do it. So I went ahead and went so with them. Are you, are you comfortable sharing any of that? I think it's a great perspective. I know it's different for everyone, but when you're, when you're talking now, what, you're, what I think you're talking about is, if you were to do it yourself, if you were to find a designer, if you were to find somebody to take care of um, the interior, the exterior, looking at buying your own uh, ISBN numbers, spending the time to get the technical specs right for the different publications, you had basically figured that it would cost you something, some amount of dollars and time. But how, did you, how did you calculate that, what you thought it would cost you to do it yourself? So you could oh, compare I have. that to. 
Well, I have a file of I have I I know how to do every aspect of book publishing, and I had already calculated it up and what it would cost. Uh, so in my head, as they're telling me numbers, and I thought, you know, also as you mentioned, time was a factor too. Well, you know, I wouldn't have to spend time; they could do it all. I know how to do this. This isn't rocket science. I could do this, but right. it's going to take me some amount of hours and some amount of dollars that you had in your head. And right. then you were comparing that to working with an author-funded publisher. So uh, it's still right. self-publishing, but right. it's really somebody else is doing all the work and, uh, you know, putting it together, the, the labor and all that stuff. Right, right. Right, and so as I'm calculating, I'm thinking, wow, you know, this is a really good deal because they had a special, like, 50% off, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay, you know, save me the time, and, and I, okay, fine, you know, so I went with them, and I gave them my manuscript, and part of my package included an editorial evaluation, and I'm like, you know, yeah, I want to get another set of eyes on it because it had been a while since, you know, somebody else had looked at it, and, and then I came back, I had to go up to New York, my son was graduating, and they came back. We got in really late because there was a thunderstorms, and that was like in June. And I get a call about 11 o'clock in the morning, and I hadn't been awake that, that long because we didn't get into like 3 or, or so in the morning. And uh, the guy's like, you know, did you get your email, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, you know, I haven't really had a chance to look at them yet. He's well, you know, you got you got nominated for the, you know, Editor's Choice Award. And I'm like, what? You know, what in the world is that? So it just kind of went from there. And I'm really glad that my first book – I did go with them because it really had some good things to it for for my and first book. And who was your book. who was your publisher? I, I went with I I went with I Universe, and I Universe. they okay, are yeah, and they're they're very they're a very good uh, self publishing company, and I think they got nominated like three or four years in a row uh, in a row of being like the top publishing self publishing company. And one thing that they do is they, with certain books, they help do some funding on books, certain books. Uh, they'll, they'll help with the funding. And I think they're one, they may be the only one, I don't know, but they are one of the few who, who do that. So I'm really, I'm glad I went with them. Uh, the only thing I don't like is that I don't have as much control over my book as I would like to have. Because they mm-hmm. do, even though it's self-publishing, you have the right, they do have an element of control that I would like to take back. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I think that's one of the main things that we hear about working with a publisher from authors is if there are things are there but do you you have the copyright. So if you wanted to do a class, you know, uh let's say do a class called Small Voices Silence, you could do that. You wouldn't need permission from a publisher like you would with a traditional publisher, right? Exactly. I have all the rights. I can, you know, I can do pretty much everything that I want to do, and but there's there's some things that I can't do. Um, like, you know, I can't control the pricing. You know, I mean, okay. they control the pricing on what website. So the if website. you wanted to go to a speaking event and sell the books for $5, even if it was a loss to you or break even on the printing price, you couldn't do that. I, 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 I couldn't. I mean, I would buy it from them, and I could go sell it for $5, but take a tremendous loss. <laughs> right, right, because you're buying it from them probably for more than $5. Right, right. But, you know, it would be kind of like, yeah, giving the book away kind of a thing. Uh, so, yeah, I would like to be able to control the pricing because I know if I did it myself, I could get each book for a lot less expensive. But, you know, they got to make their money too. It, it's a business. Uh-huh. 
Okay. And I do recognize. Well, what do you wish that you knew before you actually, because you knew a lot about the publishing industry. Right. Is there anything before you had your book that now that you have it, you're like, oh, I wish I knew that. I would have done this differently or that differently. I would have gotten an editor earlier or anything you wish that you knew before you started that might help somebody else in their journey. Well, uh, you know, besides, you know, there were things that I didn't have control over that I wish I had known, like, you know, the time in my book coming out and the pricing and stuff, because I had, I had plans made out, you know, based on certain aspects, and I kind of got messed up. But that's okay, you know. I'm resilient. Can you I back, talk back, about back pricing? It sounds like you have some thoughts on pricing um, that might help other people. What do you wish that you did differently? What would you do if you had to do it all over again with pricing? I, if I could, if I had control of my pricing, then I would do things like on Amazon with the pricing that would, um, I think that it would draw more people. I would put it also in the, in the proper genres on, on Amazon or, you know, Barnes and Nobles that I, you know, that I, I see it as. Uh, so those are things that I would have done different if I had published my book myself, which I'm, I'm going to self-publish my next book myself. But uh, those are the kind of things that I would do. And uh, as far as what I didn't know that I know now is I knew that there was a lot of marketing to be done, and I am more of a writer than a marketer. But I'm learning. I'm learning how to market. And so Mm -hmm. I wish I knew that so much marketing was involved. But... Again, you know, you have is, to be resilient. What does that mean to you when you talk about marketing your book? What What are some examples of things that you didn't know you'd be doing that are part of your job as an author? Um, oh, let me think. Um, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm having to try to make Facebook pages. Uh, being techno-savvy mm-hmm. is not my strong point. So, you know, the Facebook thing, getting, uh, you know, promoting promoting your book. I think promoting your book yourself is probably more difficult than I would have thought, promoting your own mm. book. And, and I, I, I didn't think that till I, I got to it. And it's like, gosh, you know, really don't want to harass people with this, you know. I mean, you could promote it all day long, and you do believe in it. And you have to believe in it. Uh, or, or you, you, I mean, you just have to. But... You know, it, I think the self-promotion, when I say self-promotion, promoting your book is probably the most, the most difficult, the most challenging part of it all. And mm. what do you, what do you, what do you, what do you come to that line of of promoting it enough? Because you do have to bring it in front of people's, you know, they say three times or something before you know people it before takes in. Take what do you draw the line? Yeah, but what do you draw the line of of doing that as opposed to people saying, "Oh my gosh, not another email from her. Oh, I'm so tired of hearing about her book," kind of a thing. So that mm-hmm. to me, that's a fine line right there. Mhm. And um. From the perspective of book sales, do you find that most of your sales are coming? And I don't know, when did your book come out? I forgot that. It came out, I think, in the end of October. It came out actually like five weeks early. Okay. So have you found so far, are people mostly buying it online? Are people buying it? Do you speak at events? How are people finding it? 
Uh, you know, I don't know what my cells are simply because, again, I don't have control over that. Uh, I think that people – I get surprised because I called a bookstore the other day that was referred to me, and they had wanted me to wanted me to call them about carrying their book. So, you know, they said, well, you know, who are you? And I told them, oh, you know, what's the name of your book? I told them, they look at them like, oh, yeah, we had copies of your book in this store, but it sold out. I guess we need to order more. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, it sold out. You know, I was like, oh, my gosh, it sold out. I was all excited. Uh, so that was that was kind of exciting. So I think I'm doing a lot of word of mouth. I, you know, there's interviews, and, and I hear people saying, oh, I want to get your book. Or I hear people saying, I bought your book. I got a letter the, uh, a couple weeks ago from this man, a two-page letter. He emailed me, and it was wonderful. And he says, you know, I'm an 80-year-old, crusty old man, and your book literally brought me to tears, and I didn't think wow. anything like that could happen. And it was so it, – I was, like, so touched by his letter that he even took time to, to write that, but it was two pages. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm thinking more to mouth, but I'll have a better gauge of it because the, the publisher pays you quarterly. So I think either this month or next month they'll pay for the last quarter of last year, and I'll have a better idea then. And what are, you, what are some of the things that you would say, because I, I think that letter is a great example. I think that's why so many authors do what we do. Yeah. Um, but what are some of the best things to come out of uh, having your own book? out of being able to call yourself an author, what, what would you say are some of the best things you've gotten from that? I think people, when they know that you're an author, that you you have a bit of credibility what, with whatever you wrote about, whether it's weight loss, foster care system, you know, uh, dieting, that you do look like somebody who is who has some kind of knowledge of what you're talking about. Because in order to write a book, you have to do research. I mean, you have to study. You can't just sit down and put a bunch of, you know, thoughts on paper. I think, I think, I think. You have to have some kind of uh, research and, and, and some knowledge and, and even expertise into that area. So I think people pay attention more to what you're saying, especially when you're trying mm-hmm. to sound an alarm. Uh, then if you just, you know, or somebody just saying, you know, hey, I've got a problem with this or, you know, we need to lose weight, let me show you how to do it. You know, but if you say, hey, I've written a book on weight loss, and they step back and say, wow, you know, they must have really spent time studying and researching this area. So they got to know some stuff about it. So I think that's probably it, especially when you're trying to get a message out. I think that's important that people look at you as somebody who knows what they're talking about. Wow. I think that is huge. I definitely think that's huge. And and also having, uh, you know, tangible evidence that you have changed people's minds and perspectives and moved people emotionally. I think that's all um, powerful stuff. Well, thank what, you. Um, what throughout this process was different than what you expected? You knew a lot about the book industry. What, what surprised you? Um, I think what surprised me uh, was probably what with this with the self publishing company. I think the biggest things that surprised me is they were pretty quick. They said, "Okay, we're going to get this to you in two weeks." So you're like, "Okay," so you get busy on something else, and three days later, it's in your inbox. I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" Uh, and 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 so 
you know, I mean, we had, you know, but it was fun, too. I mean, I remember the first time they sent me a, the book cover, and we still laugh about it because it was like, um, it was it was very compelling because they say, you know, you need a compelling book cover. But, I mean, it was compelling in, like, a really, like, gross kind of way. Like, if you're driving down, a, you know, by a car accident and you have to look, but then you have to turn away, it was one of those kind of books. And we just kind of laugh at that. But then, you know, I got an email from the board saying, you know, this does not meet our standards. We are totally revamping. I'm like, thank God, because I was about to send you a whole form saying, this needs to be gone. This needs to be gone. Let's let's use this instead. Uh, so I think that was probably uh, the thing is that they were a lot quicker than I anticipated. And I, and I guess I just wasn't looking towards that. And, and in a way, it was probably sometimes it was a negative no fault on their part, but in just in my own timeline, it was probably more of a negative than a plus. And what advice would you give to somebody who wants to write a book? They have, you know, maybe like you, they have something personal that's happened to them. They have a story that they feel not even like they want to share, but like they need to share. Almost like this wouldn't have happened to them. They wouldn't have seen the things they saw if they weren't supposed to share this with the world in some way. And yet they're having trouble finishing their book. What what advice would you, and maybe even they're having trouble starting, what advice would you give them to help them reach the goal that you have of being able to, you know, hold your book in your hand? I, you know, and I get this all the time because I do work with authors and I, you know, and, and editing and, and guiding them with publishing and helping that get that done. When they come to me and say, you know, I have this book and I just have to sit, you know, I just got to write it and I, it, and you know, it's been three years and, and I'm like, then you need to just sit down. You need to sit down and you need to get whatever is out of your head onto paper. Don't worry about typos. Don't worry if it makes sense. It makes sense to you. Just get it out on paper. Just kind of if you you know if you're very poor with on time, just discipline yourself, even if it's ten minutes a day, pick you a spot, pick you a time of day and and try to stick with it, even if it's ten minutes, and get whatever's in your head on paper. We'll worry about the editing later now, if it's somebody who is having problems finishing it, then sometimes you know it's like you know I, I think a good idea is is to talk it out and maybe get somebody who you trust or somebody in the in the uh, the field to sit there and you can just start throwing out ideas and help flushing out those ideas so you can kind of get a grasp on what you're doing and sometimes you know that's that's what I do and we just kind of talk it out to kind of fill in those little gaps and little holes right there. And if you were to do it all over again, is there anything you would do differently? Well, this time, you know yes, um, I am. I'm, I'm actually. I've written my second book. It's just it just ah. makes major editing. Yeah, uh, it is. Um, what I would do next time is I would do everything myself. I would mm. do. I would do it all myself. I would publish it. I would. I would print it. I would. Uh, I would actually, except for the editing. I mean, I would format the editing, and I would outsource everything. I mean, I can't sit there. I don't have a you know printer in my house, obviously, where I can run off copies of a book. But I would, I I would outsource the work to the right people, and and, and who I know does what, and that that's what I do. And, and that would you would you want to? You would want to actually print it yourself as well, like go to a printer and have a thousand copies sitting in your in your garage or something like that. 
rather than using yeah. my universe's print-on-demand, right? It is print-on-demand, and I would do that, too. I would use a print-on-demand printer as well uh, because, you know, now I don't want to have a 1,000 books in my, my garage, so I would do it print-on-demand, you know, and order several copies at a time. Uh, mm-hmm. But that's, that's what I would do different uh, because I know, I know the places to go and I know how I can do it economically, but I would have the say-so on what happens and when. And I yeah. say so about the pricing. Okay, well, I called you Sherry at the beginning, but I realized, is your name, is it Sherry or Cherie? I noticed there was an extra R. You did great, Sherry. It's Sherry. Okay, so Sherry yes. Clark, Sherry's website, if you want to check out her book, is smallvoicessilenced.com. That's silenced with a D. Her book is Small Voices Silenced, The Secret Society of Sacrificed Children. Sherry, thank you so much for your time today. I think you have some great uh, insights and perspectives for people, and hopefully you have helped people on their book journey. I think we have. Well, thank you so much for having me on your show. I really appreciate it, and I had fun. Great. Best of luck with your book. Okay, thank you again, and you have a wonderful day. I will begin the rest is still unreformed.